Well, hey, Kairos. I'll say, bless the Lord, if you'll say, oh, my soul, bless the Lord. Bless his holy name. Well, good evening. Welcome back to the attic for another night of worship where we're going to engage the whole person with the whole gospel of Jesus Christ anywhere, anytime, with anybody. I don't know about you guys, but I am done with quarantine. Ugh. Now, sure, there have been some gifts. I get it. We're, we're trying to put a positive spin on it. We're trying to look for the goodness of God in all situations. Um, there's been incredible time uh, with my family, which, again, I'm grateful for. Um, there has been a renewed appreciation for toilet paper, which, again, I'm grateful for. And there is a realization that I, no matter how strong I am, I'm not strong unless I have a strong Wi-Fi signal, which I'm grateful for. But perhaps this week I discovered, some of which you guys may already know, one of the greatest gifts I believe to come out of quarantine, and that is that the Goonies cast has reunited with Josh Gad. Olaf! <laughs> from Frozen is hanging out with the cast of Goonies on a Zoom call. It may be the one Zoom call I want to watch this week. In fact, I'm intentionally waiting. This is my gift for uh, getting my sermon done this week. I'm going to sit down and go down memory lane. Now, I know that a lot of times I'm from a different generation than the, the primary generation that I minister to, which is ironic. Uh, that's Alanis Morissette. Again, another generational reference but um the goonies if you're not familiar is a richard donner classic in which the dalai lama of film production steven spielberg produced plot summary in short a group of misfit poor kids ride their bikes in order to conquer the capitalism of expanding golf course and save their home by following a treasure map to hidden treasure you're welcome classic it's got like oscar written all over it now i don't care if it's goonies if it's national treasure if it's money heist if it's lord in your mercy hear my prayer for saying this if it's outer banks any kind of film or story that involves treasure or giving an opportunity to someone who normally doesn't have opportunities for a financial windfall we love like, we're all over it. We imagine ourselves like, oh my gosh, if I could just find that, the things I would do with it. There's something, I think, in the human heart that just longs for treasure and opportunity outside of what they are able to obtain for themselves. And guess what? Jesus knew this. Perhaps it was his Father that put it in our heart in the first place. And tonight in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is going to talk about treasure hunting, stockpiling treasure, He's going to talk about money and finances. And a lot of you are like already rolling your eyes, getting ready to check your Instagram feed, or I probably have lost half of you watching the Goonies Zoom call right now. But here's the deal. You're thinking, I don't need another preacher in quarantine talking to me about money and giving to the church. I get it. But just a, a couple of reminders, we want to faithfully preach the Bible and the person of Jesus presented in the Bible. And here's the facts that you need to deal with. 16 out of the 38 parables that Jesus taught had to do with money and stewardship. 
25% of the teachings of Jesus deal with biblical stewardship. One out of 10 verses in the Gospels is around money, and 2,000 verses in the Bible talk about tithing. So if we're going to be faithful to God, faithful to Jesus, and engage the whole person with the whole gospel of Jesus Christ, we got to talk about money. Now, I know this is difficult, uh, especially in religious circles and in the church. I know that there is a history of hoarding wealth and abusing people and neglecting its primary mission. That, that is true. But the alternative is not acceptable to me, and that is that we remain silent and quiet in a consumeristic individualistic and materialistic society when the person of Jesus has no bearing on the things that are robbing, stealing, and killing our joy and deep satisfaction and our ability to advance his kingdom. So we're going to talk about it tonight. We're going to talk about it too, especially as followers of Christ, because here's the sad truth. 12% of people who claim to be born-again Christians in America consistently give to their church. The average American, 2.5% tithe to their local church, which, by the way, is down from 3.3% during the Great Depression. Jesus has something to say about our treasure, our money, and our resources, and I think we need to listen to him. He wants us to be free, free from fear, full of faith, free from worry and anxiety. That's the next section that we're going to get to in Matthew chapter 6. He's going to talk about living a worry-free and anxiety-free life, but first he has to attack our relationship, our unhealthy relationship with treasures, finances, and stewardship. So let's listen in as the Word of God speaks to us, comforts and confronts us through the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6. Jacoby, we will hear you gladly. Hey Kairos, so glad you're joining us again this week. I'd love to continue worshiping by reading God's Word together. So feel free to grab your copy of God's Word or follow along on the screen. The text will be there for you. We are going to continue in Matthew chapter 6. So before I read our text for us, I'll invite you to go to the Lord in prayer. Holy Spirit, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? Jesus, would you go before us in this text and make a way? And together we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Matthew chapter 6, I'll begin reading in verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I'll say the word of the Lord if you'll say thanks be to God. This is the word of the Lord. 
Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. You cannot serve both money and God. Now, let's all be honest. We don't want this text to be about us. We don't have treasure. We don't have money. We're not rich. This is for like the Warren Buffetts. This is for like the Elon Musk. This is for like the Alice Waltons, like the, the uber, uber rich billionaires. Um, but unfortunately, what we have to admit is it's exactly about us. We, we think just because we drive a used Honda Accord and our bank account balance, if we have one, is probably two digits. Uh, it, it's, it's not necessarily true. And by the way, historically, just so we're clear, we are one of the richest, wealthiest, most technologically advanced generations to ever walk planet Earth. Right now, if you have food in your refrigerator, clothes in your closet, and a roof over a head, you are richer than 95% of the world. And the question is, what are we doing with our treasure? And is our heart longing after those things? Because where your treasure is, your heart will be also. The good news of this text is that we can stockpile treasure in heaven by giving sacrificially, consistently, and deliberately looking for ways to do that. There's some fun wordplay in this text here. It says, hey, don't store up treasure where moth and rust corrupt or thieves break in and steal. The Greek word there for uh, thieves is actually mud breakers because they're talking about breaking through the mud in the, your roof or in your bricks and they're just, they're mud diggers. They're constantly get, trying to get in to steal what was yours. And then, sorry, this cat is ridiculous. <laughs> this is not my treasure. He's over here licking and it's driving me nuts. Goodbye, Ollivander. Stop licking. I do not treasure you. You can edit that out if you want, but if not, we'll just keep going. Uh, there's also this section that was really confusing to me where it's talking about your eyes being the light of your body, and then if it's your eyes are dark, then the, how great the darkness. You're like, what are you talking about here, Jesus? And he's talking about the fact that if your eyes are closed and stingy and greedy and only looking for opportunities to satisfy yourself with your wealth, you're going to live an incredibly dark life. But if your eyes are wide open with generosity, perceiving the needs and the power and the resources available to you in the kingdom and in your life, you will live a life full of light and generosity and power within the kingdom of God. And in the process, you can actually stockpile treasure in heaven. Wait, what? What the Chester Copper Pot? There's treasure in heaven? Who the Nicholas Cage is going on here? Like, we, we can actually, like this ain't like some weird Pharaoh thing from Egypt where you're trying to bury treasure with yourself so it goes into the afterlife. But Jesus saying that there's treasures in heaven? Now, Randy Alcorn has written on this, and I love what he says, is the biggest, biggest deterrent to giving for Christians is the delusion that earth is their home, not heaven. Because many of us are trying to stockpile treasures here on earth and totally neglecting the fact that our life is a vapor and that we're going to spend eternity with Jesus Christ as our King in His kingdom. So, uh, 
if, if you want to do some more research on that, I don't think we have time to go into the theological and practical implications of that. I think it is awesome. It's a worthwhile discussion. I think I understand it. I struggle to live it at times. But Randy Alcorn's written two books that I would recommend to you. One is Heaven and the other is The Treasure Principle where he theologically and systematically goes through scripture and things that we can discover about what awaits us um, in the next life and in our true home. But basically, he just don't read that, by the way, um, if you don't want your greedy, needy little skull cracked open and be given a beatific vision of the life to come and your availability to affect eternity, that obedience and good works somehow follow us into the next life and that our salvation is not just about what we receive but what while we give here on earth uh, it's unbelievable and you're going to start to look at your tarnished little treasures your silly little trinkets and your broken little trophies as rubbish compared to the surpassing knowledge of knowing jesus christ in this life and the next but his bottom line statement if you want me to save you some of the reading is this God does not prosper us to raise our standard of living. He does it to raise our standard of giving. That is simultaneously freeing and intoxicating and also incredibly threatening to my individualistic and materialistic self who just wants to hoard treasure all the time. Why is this important for us? Because men and women, we got to watch out. We've got this... Uh, prosperity gospel sometimes in this life where God is a bellhop for your business where Jesus is your lucky little rabbit's foot to help you in your career and to get the next gig and where the Holy Spirit is some kind of genie in a Bible <laughs> like that genie in a Bible not a bi bottle that you rub and immediately he'll materialize and grant you your three wishes and it'll give you everything you've ever wanted in this life if you'll just thank him for it. The truth is the universe is God. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the wealth in every mine. I don't earn or deserve anything. If I've earned anything, it is hell and separation from a holy God. But the gift from God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And now I am an image bearer of God and I am a steward in his kingdom and I have divine rights and responsibilities, not just to accumulate stuff, but to distribute it on behalf of my benevolent father who owns it all. And I will have to give an account for how I've handled his accounts. And when I do, I want to know that there's treasure stockpiled in heaven so that I can lay at the feet of Jesus and worship and wonder and glory and splendor and endless adventure. We are surrounded every day with hidden opportunities to stockpile treasure by being generous, kind, thoughtful Christians that are unafraid of suffering persecution or going without because we know all I have need of thy hand has provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. Now, here's, here's a caveat. I do realize this, that a lot of us are struggling with inconsistent or non-existent income at this time. So you may be thinking, hey, this is the worst time to give this talk. Actually, maybe it's the best time. There's plenty of examples of how generosity arises among people, especially during difficult times. Perhaps that's when its grip is loosened from us the most and we realize that those things are fleeting and that we've been investing and hoarding the wrong things. 
Now, most of you probably are not where you want to be financially, nor where you thought you would be at this point in your life. But just fair warning, by the way, you can be just as proud about being poor as you can be about being rich. Money's not the root of all evil. The love of money is. And even if you're poor or rich, you can still love money the same way in such a way that it's a deterrent and your heart is where your treasure is or where you want it to be. A couple biblical principles that we understand about managing our, our finances and our resources is one, we're supposed to take care of our family. Two, we're supposed to take care of the poor. And three, we're supposed to encourage the support of the spread of the gospel, both here and around the world, by going and giving. You'll find that throughout the Bible. Because the Bible says this, There is great gain with godliness and contentment. But the problem most of us are facing is that we're pretty poor on contentment and we're bankrupt in our godliness. And so therefore, there's not a lot of great gain, there's a lot of great loss. Because we can't serve God and money. Our money can serve God, but you're either going to love one master and hate the other. And giving graciously kills off the greed in us and allows us to stockpile treasures in heaven. So I want to take a look at some of the ways perhaps that our contentment is slowly rusting away. That perhaps where thieves are stealing our godliness and robbing us of living a worry-free and anxiety-free life in the kingdom of God. Which, by the way, is the next section for next week, right? Jesus is going to talk about dealing with anxiety and worry. And before he can talk about that, he's actually going to have to get to the heart of the matter, which is we love money. We love false safety, security, power, pleasure, and perception, right? So those are the three weeds and thieves, because Jesus also told a story about how the word of God comes, but weeds grow up, which is the concerns of this world and the deceptions of riches choke out the truth of the word of God. So you got weeds and thieves that are looking to steal your contentment and your godliness and your great gain in this life and the next. And those three are simply this. Power, pleasure, and perception. Three common thieves. Three common weeds that I think we need to kill before we can live into the truth and the beauty and the life that God is calling us as generous givers with cheerful hearts. When we treasure personal power that comes with money, it is because we want to advance our own ambition. We want the power to dictate our own decisions. And we want the power to safely secure for us that we will never be weak or needy. Pleasure. We're not content. We're not godly in our desires. We want what we want because after all, we've earned it so we can spend it any way that we see fit and no one will tell us what to do, how to do it, or where to do it regardless if it's killing us or killing others. And we want perception as a treasure. When we treasure how people perceive us, the temptation comes to hoard toys and trinkets, clothes, and cars, anything that we can do to alter our profile so that people's perception of us is powerful, beautiful, and popular. Because secretly our identity is not in Christ, 
It's in how other people see us. Power, pleasure, and perception. Those are the weeds and thieves that are breaking in and stealing our joy and robbing us of our contentment while our faith starts to rust and we can't realize why we can't connect with God. Now, I think there's a, a lot of practical tools we can give because God is calling you to this free life of risk-taking adventure in the kingdom of God. And we can talk practically about how, man, get out of debt as quickly as possible, right? Try not to accumulate more consumer debt. Um, a lot of us find ourselves saddled with that, you know, whether it's school, whether it's medical, or whether it was some poor decisions that we made. God wants to rescue us from that. He wants to redeem us from that. And he wants to teach us how we can get out of that so that we can be free to give. Um, I think there's also incredible ways where you decide to consistently give to your local church. I think there's ways that you also decide, go, hey, incrementally, I'm not going to wait until I make money to be a generous person. I'm going to start being a generous person right here and right now. And anytime the standard of my living increases, my percentage of giving increases along with it. So that bit by bit, step by step, all of a sudden I discover, wow, I'm almost giving away more than I'm keeping for myself. Stockpiling treasures in heaven. But before we can get to any of that stuff, and Jesus knew this, we've got to identify the temptation of our treasure and where Satan's going to attack us the most to want to be greedy and needy and hoarders. Because all of us are prone to a particular area, which probably is just a shadow of your giftedness, right? It's hijacking. Like if you're a lover of pleasure, chances are you've been given the gift of hospitality. Um, if your treasure is power, chances are the Lord's given you holy ambition and is going to provide heavenly resources for you. If you're treasure is perception that's just hijacking that god has given you a unique gift to understand your unique identity in the kingdom of god this may sound counterintuitive but what if we did this what if we fought treasure with treasure so take this if pleasure is your treasure woohoo that rhymed right you need to know that at the right hand of god there are pleasures forevermore that he is good and he desires to give you good gifts and there is a certain type of contentment and enjoyment and satisfaction that can only be found in Christ through generous giving sacrificially, relationally, and financially. If power is your treasure that you're tempted the most to get hijacked in the kingdom of God, you need to realize that in the kingdom of God, the exchange rate for power is weakness. Your power can be perfected in your weakness, right? And if it's perception, you need to know this, that God perceives you as his treasure. Fight treasure with treasure. God thinks we're his peculiar treasure. His perception of us is the only thing that matters. This is probably why the Apostle Paul was fond of praying, I pray to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ to give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that your eyes may not be stingy, but wide open to the hope that he has called us to, his glorious inheritance with all God's saint, and his incomparably great power for those of us who believe. Then church, then church, maybe we cannot just sing it, but mean it. Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. Thou my inheritance, now and always. 
Are we going to trust in goods? Are we going to trust in God, who is good, to release us from the bondage of slavery, addiction, materialism, small-minded living? You can trust in goods. That's fine. But be prepared to live a small, dark, stingy, insignificant life. Or you can trust in God with the wide eyes of his glorious generosity. Not only that he's given to you, but that he wants to provide through you. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Amen? Good. Let's take 120 seconds. I got two simple questions I want us to process our time with. First place is, where are you most tempted by treasure? Where are you most tempted by treasure? Is it power? Is it pleasure? Or is it perception? You want the power to guarantee your own safety and significance and choices and decisions and ambitions? Is it pleasure? Do you think God's secretly holding back on you and that if you don't have the resources to spend on what you want to, you'll live a life that's unfulfilled? Or is it perception? That you're constantly thinking about how you can acquire certain things that make you appear valuable, beautiful, and desirable to other people. Got it? Second question. Ask the Lord to open your eyes to someone who's in need this week and meet that need. Ask the Lord to open your eyes to someone who's in need this week and then meet that need. Amen?